I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got a special interview with two icons of Echoes who recently played with another icon of Echoes, Tangerine Dream, recently toured the U.S., and in several cities, they invited special guests to perform with them in the improvised encore segment that they call Sessions. In Tucson and San Diego, they picked Steve Roach. In San Francisco, Robert Rich. Of course, both musicians cite Tangerine Dream as a major influence, and in Roach's case, they were definitely heroes. But this is not the band they originally heard, but later artists who picked up the mantle and spirit of the group. Roach and Rich could actually be fathers of the current lineup. So I had a lot of questions because even though this isn't the classic lineup, it still is Tangerine Dream. It's a great conversation, and I've got that coming up. Do you know what this week is? It's the 34th anniversary of Echoes. It's not one of the landmark type anniversaries, but heck, it is certainly worth noting because while a lot of shows have come and gone, Echoes remains, bringing you the newest in ambient, electronic music, dream pop, world fusion, and more. So as we commemorate this week, go now and make a donation to Echoes at echoes.org. Just hit the donate tab. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Because you know, is there anyone else doing something like the interview you are about to hear? Once again, that's echoes.org. So, I was excited to hear that Steve Roach and Robert Rich were going to play with Tangerine Dream. I know that for Steve, they are heroes, along with Klaus Schulze. However, Dream personnel has rarely been stable and started shifting right after the first album, Electronic Meditation. And after founder Edgar Frosa passed in 2015, the band has been under the guidance of synthesist Torsten Kweishning, who has been in the group since... 2005. Violinist Hoshiko Yamane has been with them since 2011, and synthesist Paul Frick recently joined. Torsten, the oldest member, is only 46 years old, making him very much younger than Robert Rich at 60 and Steve Roach at 68. So it is an interesting dynamic. You can catch both of their performances up on YouTube, and I'll have links in the posting for this podcast. I'm John DiLiberto from Echoes, and I am sitting here with two incredible musicians who have been mainstays of the show since the very beginning, and really mainstays of my life since even before that. Outside of Tucson, I'm talking to Steve Roach, and in Carmel, California, I'm talking to Robert Rich, and they both had an experience recently that I don't think they ever expected to have at all. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if it's even something that you thought about having at any point in time. Definitely not. No. No? Yeah, people were saying, well, it must be a dream come true. And I say, well, not not, not at all, really, and not out of anything other than I would never have imagined that, you know, as much. Right. And what happened was you guys got to play, not open for, you guys got to play with Tangerine Dream in their current incarnation as they toured America. Steve, you did two gigs, right? Tucson and San Diego. That's correct, yes. And Robert, you joined them in San Francisco. San Francisco. So how did this come about? What was, I mean, I know you guys didn't approach them. What was the approach? Torsten sent me a message on Facebook about two or three months ago and said, would you like to play with us, do a session? 
And I said, what does this entail? Because I had no idea what they were doing. And he said briefly, well, here's some links on YouTube. And then he vanished for a month and a half. <laughs> and, and then said about a week or two ago, oh, it's happening. It's on. And, and that's all I knew. <laughs> yeah. And so my story was, uh, I was listening to an interview on Journeys to the Infinite with Marius Brusa's show from Romania. And I heard this interview with Torsten and they were really on my radar other than no, for no other reason that I'm so busy in my, all levels of my life doing what I do. And I heard this interview and I was absolutely moved very emotionally by everything that he was sharing about studying with Edgar, uh, living with him for eight years, being in the band for 20 years. It just completely you know, lit me up on all these levels and tied me into my, you know, early connections to the early part and to the evolution, which I, like I say, wasn't tracking so closely for no other reason, ultimately, than just so busy. And so I sent an email to Maria saying, I'd love to just send a letter of appreciation to Torsten for the the level of um, responsibility that he's under and in right now to carry on the legacy of this band. And so I just sent that, you know, I got his email and, and, Marius checked in with him and he said, well, I've been trying to get all to Steve for two months because, again, he, and you see he's using my Facebook messenger and I don't check that. And, <laughs> but I am now more. So ultimately, then uh, I emailed him and shared a, you know, my appreciation and a heartfelt letter to him and just sharing some stories about meeting Chris and Edgar back in the day. And so a couple of days later, he sent uh, an email back saying how great it was to connect and how he respects my work and music and how it would be cool if I could join them in Tucson for a session. And I was aware of the sessions and, you know, he just said very complimentary things about me and my music and my career. So he, he, he knows that, you know, what I'm doing. And so, and like Robert, that was six, five weeks ago. And when I said, yeah, I'll be there. That was the last contact I had with them until I saw them last Sunday afternoon at the venue. What did they tell you you were going to do? Well, he said that they're doing these things called sessions, and they gave me some links on YouTube to look at other things that they recorded. I think they started doing this during lockdown, during pandemic. And my understanding from what I was looking at is that they were trying to bring back the more improvised mood of the early Tangerine Dream, where they could take risks and not be so scripted. Um, and I didn't know from him personally, but it was very clear that with reaching out to Steve and me, they're making something go full circle because, you know, they're 20 years younger than we are, and we're 20 years younger than the original band. And and I think that there's a feeling of, of embracing and openness, and that's actually just extremely... Um, Wonderful. I don't know what to say about that, but it's... Well, that, that's interesting because I, I was thinking, and I think I posted something about this or sent something to you, Robert, and maybe you too, Steve. That you know, you would think, oh, you're getting to play with your heroes, but really, you guys are the elder statesmen in this situation, not not them. Yeah, you shared that with me too, as yeah. well, John, and and um, yeah, that all of those layers to this whole piece is fascinating, and and then there's the fact that, I mean, we're playing with this evolution of Tangerine Dream. It's not V point, version point two is the way I see it. It's the evolution. And Torsten is a certified band member of Tangerine Dream when he worked with Edgar. So it's not like it's a new band, like a lot of people are saying or thinking that there's no connection to Tangerine Dream as the original. It's the evolution. And it would be like saying, well, Sid Barrett left and then Pink Floyd's not Pink Floyd. 
in, to me, I'm thinking of that in, in that respect, in terms of the founder and how it carries on and evolves. So that whole full circle and then having that acknowledgement and then and also knowing about those sessions and what they're doing and exactly what Robert is sharing and why that's exciting that we can go in. I mean, really, we both went in. I'm, I'm speaking for Robert, too, because we were talking about this, but we really had no, I had no expectations on any level about what was about to happen except that I went in with some pieces in, in a particular key and hoping that that might work. And and I know they share a MIDI clock. I saw a YouTube video where he explained about how they basically do the sessions and they pick a key and they send out a MIDI clock and then you just jump out of the plane with a, you know, a parachute that you, hopefully you packed yourself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and it was really exhilarating and exciting and, and it just, the result was for them and for us, you know, it was absolutely great. And for the audience, you know, they were just, I mean, that I had a lot of great feedback and I know Robert did too, from the audience. Right. And I, I should mention when you say, you keep saying Torsten and we're talking about Torsten Koishning, who has been with Tangerine Dream since I think 2005. And he pretty much is leading the way for the group at this point. True. Yeah. You saw, yeah. I see him like a conductor who continues on and he has this like symphonic body, which is Tangerine Dream, which... You know, you had Ulrich Schnauss in there for a while. He's still, I guess, sort of a charter member that might come and go. But for live performance, Paul really came in with, you know, and, and took his place for sure right now. Yeah, Torsten's just, he has a personality, he has this energy and this really kind, you know, there's really an open, positive, just absolutely great guy to meet and play with and really no drama you know and you just i felt like i've known these guys forever you know the whole group right. the band and the crew so i want to ask you both this question you know i made the statement of you being the elder statesman in this situation you know you've been at it longer than they have substantially longer you, nevertheless it's tangerine dream so how did you feel Walking out on stage, what was the feeling? Were you you had to be nervous? I would say that. Well, I was more nervous about the fact that it's the first time I played live in four years <laughs> since the pandemic. But the the last concert I did was for fifteen thousand people in Vietnam. So it's a different sort of energy for sure. I think the the level of the amplitude of the sound was a thing that I had to contend with. But I didn't have that sense of magic about, ooh, this is Tangerine Dream and I'm on stage with them, because it's just musicians. It's people at, at the same level working together, and there's a professionalism, and there's just, as as I mentioned, that they are very open and very just wonderful people to be around, and there's just a sense of, okay, we're working hard here, you know, and, and they are a very hardworking band. Um, they were exhausted when they came up to San Francisco because they'd had several bus breakdowns. They didn't get to sleep the previous night because their, the bus that they had gotten was didn't have bunks on it. So they were running on empty pretty much. And Steve, likewise, you know, got to see them after the Albuquerque to, you know, show where they, their bus broke down before Albuquerque. So you get a sense that they're just extremely hardworking professionals doing the thing that we've all done, being on the road, working hard. And they're opening this up to us in a way that's respectful and also experimental and fun. And so I entered into it with this idea, this is an improvisation, we're going to have an adventure here. And beyond that, there was very little time for that sense of, ooh, I'm on the stage with Tangerine Dream. It's, you know, 
it's not that feeling, actually. I don't know how to say that otherwise. Yeah, for me, I just pulled out the program I sent you, John, in your phone, pictures from, Mm -hmm. you know, the original tour and their first American tour in 77 and has Philadelphia on there, Los Angeles was the last show at Santa Monica Civic in 1977. So, I mean, I'm aware of the huge shadow that is cast into this present moment with the legacy of that band. And that's what, what I expressed with Torsten. While at the same time, you know, just the experience of everything I've experienced over 50 years of doing, 45 years of doing what I do and having this level of deep connection to my path and and the music that, you know, I'm so devoted to creating. And, and I felt similar to what Robert's speaking to in that, these are these guys are in it because they love it, and and that's I felt like maybe it wasn't a dream come true, but there was this kind of a Kairos moment, you know, this moment of meeting of time and destiny where things merge up at just the right time with when you have that kind of momentum in your life and the kind of dedication and and the intention to share what you love so deeply with the world. So it, it just felt like you know what a perfect moment here that was aligning. And my heart rate was about 70 the whole time. I mean, I just felt like this is right where I need to be and where I am. And I felt so relaxed. And, you know, being in Tucson, of course, I'm in my hometown and I walk out to like, you know, a lot of people flew in and it was like a huge thing for a lot of the folks that flew in. I shouldn't say more than me, but for them, it was, I kept hearing all this around that piece, you know, so, but through it all, I just felt very, um, just you know, really grateful and and respected and respectful and just ready to show up. Uh, you know, and I brought up my full setup because I had no idea what 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 we were going to do or what I you know we, I couldn't get in touch with them. And the in the two days before they had the whole three hour breakdown outside of Albuquerque, and so I just went there in a tabula rasa state. You know, like okay, let's and like the night before we were had some friends in from Canada who flew in and they were like, "You're so calm, you're so." And I said, "Well, I, I have." What else can you do? I don't know. I mean, I might be doing a concert in a small club across the street from the the Rialto because they're stuck somewhere in Albuquerque. I was already thinking I might have to play for some of the folks that came in and do a free concert. Well, <laughs> you know, for that piece. So, but all in all, it was just you know exhilarating and invigorating and inspiring and deeply moving. And then when they rolled in, and then you're just hanging with folks that you feel like you've known them for years, and and there it is, you know. So is the sound check your only rehearsal? Yep. Yeah. And there was no discussion beforehand. We didn't talk about any how are we going to open it. I mean, we just decided on the key, and then we figured out the MIDI clock, and then it was very intentional to not – we started in the sound check, and it started to happen. It was like, man, this is – it's happening. I feel like we're hitting on all the cylinders, and we're looking at each other. There's a lot of eye contact, a lot of – communication in that way, smiling and, you know, grooving out to the things and whatnot. And then listening, you know, Robert and I, we know how to listen. And then that's a big part of this piece too, is listening and letting space be and then coming in, bringing things in and out and all that sort of thing. You know, it's just, there was a really beautiful kind of breath to the whole, to the session. And for me, it was when we were reached uh, a certain point, you know, and it was finished and we were out, back in you know the desert night there and it's like one thing led to another and it's like well let's go do it again tomorrow night i said well i'm ready let's go you know i got 
in my van and drove six hours after two hours sleep and boom, I'll, you know. No kidding. Oh, is that spontaneous? Oh, yeah. It, was, it happened that night. I mean, at, at first I asked Linda, do you want to go along? And she's like, she was, of course I do. And then she realized that she's heading into workshops. And then Nate, Nathan Youngblood, who was, you know, absolutely vital helping me with setup and stuff. Then, you know, we, here we are on, on the road with, you know, for another day with the group. You know, they were ahead. They came in about an hour behind us on on the infamous uh, charter bus, you know, with <laughs> but that night in Tucson, they actually slept in the green room because you couldn't sleep on the bus. So they slept in the green room while I was in a, in a hotel in downtown Tucson. And we both left around seven or in the morning or something. Rock Where they sound more like some indie rock band tour in the country in the, in the back of a van. Something. <laughs> this was the thing about how hardworking they are. I mean, this was not a luxurious tour. They're doing this the real way, like any musician who knows what work is uh, a lot of respect, you know, there's absolutely. And, uh, and, and the whole crew, it has to be said that they through all of that. And then you see the pictures of the pint sized school bus that came and got them in Albuquerque to take them to the gig an hour and a half later. And then a, a U-Haul truck came out right out behind them and, and, you know, picked up their gear and then they showed up an hour and a half late and all, and, but when they rolled into Tucson, they had smiles and they were like, wow, this is great, Tucson. And here we go. Let's, you know, what's happening next here? It was, wasn't, there was no, and, the, and there, the, the crew was just right on it. You know, there was no, no drama on any level at any no. point. So, Robert, do you think that was the first time they've ever had a Bonsuri style flute in their music? <laughs> or a piece of sprinkler pipe, more like. <laughs> I said style, not. <laughs> well, if I remember vaguely that back around 1980, they did an album with, uh, was it Jolie? Steve Jolie. Steve Jolie. Yes. Yeah, he had a silver flute. And so, I mean, uh, what is it, that album uh, with Bent Cold Sidewalk and with the lyrics and stuff on it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, but, but those Close are different majority. people. Yeah, remember that it's different people. Yeah. And uh, so. And and Hochiko, I must say, is an essential part of this current group because she brings a professional music, you know, a, a a classical music background, and and a different listening kind of mentality, which I think is it's essential to have that feminine touch in the band. I think to offset this more driving, almost EDM kind of energy that they've brought to the classic music, mm -hmm. and so having this other element is i think comfortable for them and i brought with my approach more melodic approach i think something that probably bounced more off of hochiko than the more driving electronic sound of the others mm. um so i i think it worked elegantly together and there was a lot of eye contact and a lot of listening mm. indeed so have you listened to each other's sets which are up on uh youtube Bits of them to figure out, yeah. Uh, and I think actually Steve interlocked with them uh, better than I did. He approached it with, with more of a, a matching mentality, and I approached it with more of a complementary mentality. And I think actually that, well, I was having a little trouble with my monitors during the set too, because they had blown up during sound check. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I had trouble getting my bearings with the mix. And so I would say that Steve wins for elegance and, and uh, the entire uh, merging of the two mindsets. Yeah, we both showed up with everything that we could to take it to, you know, this beautiful level. And I've listened to bits of Roberts and, you know, it's obviously different, but it fits in and it's beautiful. And it's just, it's what's cool about 
Robert and I as well, what we bring to our own music together as that dynamic that creates the alchemy of the two. And so there was a lot of that sort of thing happening with us working with them. If, you know, I could hear that and feel that and feel it, you know, I mean, I haven't been collaborating with artists in a live setting forever, you know, and, and their mode too is, is monitoring through headset in-ear monitoring system, which I have never done before. So that was huge. To me, my music is loudspeaker music, and I use the speakers to carve and shape and build my sound. So I had to immediately adapt with closed-ear headphones, and they had a little um, mixer for, you know, I could control the levels of all three of, of Dream, you know, along with me. And so the really the second night, I really got into the sweet spot with it, where the first night it was cool, but it was still like a little bit of an alien world because I'm, I need to feel all of that in my body. And I have, uh, you know, like QSC 12-inch speakers on stand. So it's like I'm in a studio environment and the volume is cranking when it's time for it to crank. So I'm shaping it that way. So that was very different. But when you get thrown off the cliff, you you know, you're going to figure out a way to build some wings, you know, and, and not hit the floor, you know. So it worked, you know, uh, pretty quickly. So. I think it's worth noting that this interconnection via Tangerine Dream has brought Steve and me back closer. You know, we've been like brothers for 40 years now since we met back in the mid 80s. And uh, the chances we've had to work together have left quite a, an impression with people. And, and this is bringing us back together again as well. Right. That and I don't know how much you want to speak to the ambient lounge theories I have, John, but that's you know, that's what's bringing Robert and I together again in December and on the same stage at the same time and place in Tucson. So, yeah, so is there another strata on the horizon? Or something completely different, maybe? I think the strata is going to be certainly, you know, what that represents is layers of something that's happening over time. And so the, the next layer of strata in that timeline is etheric right now. So we'll, we'll see what that is. But we're excited about that. And yeah, we've talked about, well, is it time now and it, to talk about the collaborative elephant in the room, you know? <laughs> so now the no, elephant is now out, you know, so. No, we're, we're being strictly tangerine dreamers. <laughs> okay, I'm just putting that little piece in there. <laughs> Adding it to oh, it. That's great. That's great news. Thank you. <laughs> Do they tell you what to wear? Nope. Zero. But you fit in with that, too. You all want black. We do anyway. That's, right. That's the uniform, you know. There's, it's a tradition of performing musicians, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. From a classical orchestra onwards. Well, I, I mean, I was aware that their dress code, it was fitting into my dress code very well, but I wasn't going to wear a sport coat. You know, I, I knew the line to draw there, you know, respectfully. Because they have their, their certain sport, you know, their black coat look and that sort of thing. So what did you have the sense of that they knew about your music? Were they well aware? Did they, did they just know you by reputation? I don't know personally. They, I, I hardly had a chance to discuss our history of knowing each other's music because everybody was so preoccupied with the concert. Uh, Steve had a chance to hang a little longer with them, and so he might have a better answer. Yeah, it was still the same situation where you're just in a really heightened level of responsibility and focus and there wasn't too much hang time i mean on the the morning after san diego torsten and i were we ended up staying at the same super eight motel and uh we were on the balcony the third floor balcony pretty early just 
we were just talking about, you know, influences and music overall and, and non-musical things and Germany. And I'm, you know, just trying to get back over there next year and just cool stuff like that. And he shared some photographs with different people. And I did too, that we were, had been hanging with, but when he sent the, his, you know, invitation to me, he said he was aware of me in that he said it would be really special to work with someone who's been responsible for shape the genre to what it is. That's what he said in the letter. So, mm. so he was aware of, you know, what, what I've been doing. I mean, from that point of view, but we didn't get into, you know, particular albums or things that he had heard or whatnot. Heck that. Mm. So I think it was a San Diego performance, but it might've been to someone 20 minutes in there's this loop I, I saw it you sounds like them. an accident. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it, obviously, you know, but I didn't hear it as a, a mistake or an accident. I heard it as an echo that the feedback was turned up and it started building mm -hmm. and building. But, you know, where Torsten was at in his rig, he, he was like activating it. And then he walked away to do something at one of the keyboards and it was still running away. So to me, it was like a more dramatic, bordering on an industrial kind of segue. At least that's what I turned it into. So whether it ran off, but it was like such a thing, knowing how we work with delays, that you can instantly, you know, shut it off, turn it down, solve it. But it's but the fact that it was running on like that felt like, to me, it was like, well, that's that's an interesting segue there. So I was starting to build something to emerge out of it before it exploded, you know. <laughs> and what were those spoken word things? Torsten did that with yeah. uh, with our set as well. He has recordings and he's been using uh, software to chowder them up and make interesting abstractions with yeah, them. Yeah, so he gets it into a granular, but that was Tom Cruise from Risky Business. <laughs> ch chattering about this dream. That's what I saw one of the fans posted on, the, on Facebook that that was worth the price of admission right there was this Tom Cruise... Of speaking of this dream that gets then, you know, granulated there pretty quickly, uh, you know. So to the best of my knowledge, this is the only thing like this that happened on this tour. You two were the only ones to to do that, playing with if them. There was a guitarist you, in Seattle. Well, ah. I just saw that a, a woman that looked looked really cool, the, the whole vibe of that, you know, so. Uh-huh. They haven't told us other people they're performing with, but uh, I think they're trying to do this with people that they respect in different cities yes. to try to shake it up and make it more improvisational each time. Yeah, mm -hmm. They really are trying to respect this improvisational foundation that the group came out of, um, you know, because since the 80s, Tangerine Dream was always much more of a song-based project. And what I really respect is how Torsten is trying to pull back some of the essence of the original and merge it now with something that's almost a little bit of uh, of techno EDM elements or vocabulary. I mean, you'll hear in the concert, John, that some of the classic pieces have, have a heavy bottom driving it. I mean, and that's cool. I mean, we're, you know, this is the time we're at. And so, and then there's like, their rendition of Phaedra was, um, to me, it was amazing. It was like Phaedra on major steroids or something, you know. Well, it's interesting because, you know, they, they opened the piece from Ricochet with the piano solo and the audience immediately recognized it and went into applause because yeah. the audience is so cued into that era and they're still able to bring back those, those recognitions and those memories and yet move them, you know, without repeating themselves, move them into a new language. So, so yeah, they're retooling it. You know, they're definitely retooling like sorcerer theme and the risky business stuff. And then 
But their new album is that, again, we haven't spoke of that yet, but Rom, when I heard that album back two months ago, you know, after the interview with Marius, as soon as I heard that album, it's like, I am on board now. This is like so cool and so invigorating and inspired and just the feeling, you know, I still get chills thinking about just, you know, to feel before any of this, you know, possibility that I would be playing with him in a session, but just hearing the album and just feeling, man, this is, this is great. This is, that was another level of, of what I wrote to Torsten and just shared with, you know, everything that you're doing just is so cool and inspiring. Excellent, man. I looked at set lists are up of their shows online. It looks like they're doing a different set every night. Some stuff repeats, but there's a lot of different things that they, they change up a lot of tracks. Yeah, they were changing it when we were in San Diego. The, you know, I saw the set list, and then by when the set started, it, it was changed by that point. Because <laughs> we were tracking it for when I would, you know, be ready to go on. And then it, things were all of a sudden, they were at the end, we're now somewhere up towards the front. So that's cool that they're, you know, can reshuffle the cards in the middle of the game there like that you know right right and they shortened it too because they you know these sets i think robert you played about 45 minutes or 40 yeah something like that and i was both sets were like you know close to an hour or something like that so they were then they said you know we they also are aware of curfew in the venues and they said if if things are really you know we don't have to worry about shutting it down in a half an hour so and, and then i said well i i play you know I mean, Robert does too, but I mean, we could play for a couple hours and I'm sure people would be happy with that too. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, you know, and it was just, again, that, you know, the spontaneity and the magic of the moment. And then you just, you're, it's going through all these landscapes and then you just look around and you can feel that we're coming in for a landing. And it's just, you know, that, that feeling, no matter if you're having a, a large, you know, the, both of the audiences that I played for, there was over a thousand people there at those venues and, whether you're playing it for 30 people, whatever, it's just that feeling when you're connected and you know that you're, you're coming in for a gentle landing and, and boom, you know, that was, uh, that was very, very cool, satisfying and, and left us with, you know, uh-huh. I was kind of sad to not like go keep going with the, with the circus, you know? <laughs> so do you think there'll be any uh, further contact down the road or is this a one and done sort of thing? I hope so. I mean, actually, uh, Torsten said that they'd contact us after they got home and settled in again and send stems to mix Absolutely, the sessions. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe. He was speaking. They, I mean, all those sessions, they record everything multi-track. And uh, I've got a good feeling about that, you know, the sessions and and what, what could happen there. And then, you know, he's got a, a big schedule ahead of him. Yeah. As soon as they get back, they're doing Germany and then they're into the UK. So, you know, it's there's no rest for the possessed there. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. He, he he made it sound like it could be a few months before we hear from yeah. him. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've been loving what they've been doing for quite a while now. I mean, I was definitely like, well, I know Robert, you're not as big a Tangerine Dreamhead as Steve is, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll I'll have to be straightforward about this. When I was a teenager and hearing those things for the first time in the 70s, they were mind-changing, mind-altering and set me on a direction that was forever different. But what happens for me personally as an artist when I need to find my own voice, you know, it's, it's, it's like Oedipus. You have to kill your parents at a certain point. And <laughs> there's, there's a, a place where you have to just turn away from the things that influenced you so you can find your own voice. And I spent, you know, 10 years ignoring all of that 
to find something that that respected the place where it came from without sounding like it. And mm-hmm. I think that once once that is accomplished, once you find yourself free of those um, you know overly influential beginnings, then you can come back and embrace it without having to worry about you know it uh, rubbing off on you too much. And yeah, that's absolutely great, uh, Albert. And it's from a complete story of respect. I mean, the, when when I first heard Stratosphere and uh, Rubicon back in the mid seventies. I was just getting into electronic music with Vangelis and Kraftwerk and things. And that showed the much more psychedelic side of electronic music. It showed that it could really be potent. And uh, t- to this day, I think that potency has driven me, um, the, the essence of, of what the energy in those albums had. The, the question then is to move on and find your own inner core. Yeah, perfect. I share a parallel exactly feeling around all of that and in the earth you know when now and first came out my first album I mean it was still there was the sequential influences but my very clear decision was to not have long album side long pieces I wanted to have and when you look at now or traveler impetus they were all truncated and they were all telling stories that were in different dynamic worlds like you get a feeling of structures on those shorter pieces you have the sequential stuff you have the tribal activity that we were would then bring through together so there was a you know a whole sort of full world that was opening up with it with the seeds that were planted from those essential albums from the 70s ricochet phaedra rubicon that that triad right there was just you know that was the one for me and then but i was very conscious about not becoming a clone zone type of band or a sound or an individual and there was certainly enough of that already happening all around the world where you were, you know, and you sure. just, it's just, like, <laughs> still, still yeah, happening. It's just, I mean, it's, it's just hitting the nail right on the head over and over and over. You know, so. Well, I think we could even speculate that that might be one of the reasons why they contacted us is that perhaps for those people who are still very deeply entrenched in the Teutonic totally. sound, um, there's very little new that they would bring to an improvisation with the group. Whereas since Steve and I spent our lifetimes defining a, a sound that was more personal, or you know, some people think of it as a West Coast sound, American sound, there would be a style that would complement and stand away, not just be the same as uh, what they do. I, mm. And I know that their curiosity and their interest in growth and change and, and modernizing their sound would, would fit with that idea of, of bringing in voices that are different but complementary. Certainly that. And then, I mean, my... Um obviously connection to sequencer music is taken on a whole other level of intensity and passion now with the fact that I can build up with the modular tools. And, you know, I'm really, I feel like I'm really deep, you know, in terms of the word strata, I'm really down like at a layer with that voice along with the other voices that is unique to my voice. And then bringing it back in with him, like we did, especially on Saturday night, that, and then Paul was commenting, like, I really could, I just went so far into your sequencing that night. It was, he was really knocked out by it. And Paul's playing a lot of hand-played sequences that's more in a Steve Reich, you know, mode or Philip Glass or, and that, you know, in terms of just at certain points. And he's, and he's listening to a click, so he's hearing a click the whole time we're playing that's synchronized up to MIDI. So he would be playing an ostinato, and I'm hearing that by itself. And then I start bringing in one of my 
sequences and and it's it's right there and we're synced up together which was really cool to have but we never even talked about that and torsten said you want to click and i said no click please and i wanted to hear like you know all the stuff happening in the headphones but that's one example of you know how we were combining old new and other kinds of techniques together and again just you know, without, without any real premeditation. I mean, there wasn't, wow. again, any speaking of like, well, let's start out gentle or let's build it up to some raging thing or whatever. It was just, you know, again, the ebb and flow at the moment. Wild. All right, guys. Well, congratulations on what sounds like a marvelous experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was, was utterly unexpected, which are always the best <laughs> yeah. kind. Thank you, John. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to share that with, uh, and for Robert and I to share that with you. And I have a sense that uh, we'll be back. Yeah. When was the last time you guys saw each other face to face? Oh this my! The... Well, when when I last performed in Tucson, I think, and and okay. Steve came out and we hung out. Right. Right. Um, five yeah. Years ago, I mean, maybe. we did a few festivals along the way here for sure. So, but uh, mm -hmm. that'll all change in December. So, yeah. Is that when you're planning on getting together? Yes. Yep. For the Ambient Lounge on, in Excellent. December. It's already tickets are selling briskly in, in an intimate setting. <laughs> For all. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks. It's an honor. All right. I will have a link to all three of Robert Rich and Steve Roach's performances with Tangerine Dream. They are up on YouTube from audience videos. On this coming Thursday's podcast, I've got trumpeter Jeff Oster from the group Flow talking about his lo-fi ambient jazz album, Howling Loon. And remember, you can make a donation to Echoes and the Echoes podcast on our 34th anniversary at echoes.org. Just hit the support tab at echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.